Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Amen. He is worthy. He is worthy of all praise. Amen. You may be seated. And as we continue worshiping in the presence of God, amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so privileged to be in your presence this morning. We're so privileged to sing songs of praise to you, to your name alone. And Lord, there's something so special when this community, this body of Christ comes together to, to sing to you, Lord. And I pray that as we now, Lord, listen to your word, the word that can transform our hearts, that our eyes and our hearts will continue open in your presence, Lord. It's nothing is about us, nothing is about our power, our abilities, but everything is about you, Lord. So we pray that your word will be free and your spirit will be free to do what pleases your heart this morning. We give you praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, family. Oh, that was a good one. I don't even have to say it again. You guys are learning. Amen. We're still in a bit of a celebration mode at Riverside Lisbon. Before the service started, throughout the week, the balloons were still here. The Big Five was still here. If you don't know, we, were cele we just celebrated five years. Five years. Amen. To God be the glory. Five years of Riverside Lisbon, as many of you already know, Riverside is a church that was planted in, in Cascais uh, about 25 years ago. So in Lisbon, we're the youngest church of them all. And even though we're so close by, God decided as, for now, the last church to be open in Lisbon. And thank God for the result and thank God for the people and the community that God is bringing together in the city of Lisbon. And... Um, and we're still in celebration mode because next week, God willing, we're going to do baptisms and celebrate baptisms. So we already have at least three candidates to baptism. And we're going to celebrate everything that God is not only doing in us as a community, but also what God is doing in people's lives individually. There's nothing better than this family to continue to grow as people are finding Jesus and obeying the word of God. And... Last week, we started a message series called, Where Are We Going? So, pretty straightforward, right? It's not a very complicated thing to understand. Where are we going? Where are we going as a church? Where are we going from here? And I said last week during, uh, while well, I introduced Pastor Eddie, that would explain how this message series came to be. Now, I know that some of you already know what I'm going to say. Is any of you familiar with this cartoon, Dora the Explorer? Yes, quite a few of you. Our daughter, Jade, she's almost three years old. She is fascinated with Dora. And if you don't know, well, it's, I, don't, I don't think it's, a bin, it's something that you're going to binge watch on Netflix or on Amazon. But if, you're, if you are interested, you will notice that in every episode, Dora is going somewhere. And in episode, every episode, she sings, where are we going? And thanks of, uh, because of this part of this song, every time that someone asks, where are we going? I can't help but to hear Joe Day singing, where are we going? So enthusiastically. So regardless if she was going to the park or to the zoo, 
This song is just so repetitive that it comes to our minds all the time. Where are we going? And as we celebrated the church anniversary, that was the question that was in my heart. Where are we going? Where are we going, Lord? And if you were here last Sunday, you listened or you listened to the podcast. Pastor Eddie, he explained that where we're going has all to do with gratitude, has to do with thanksgiving to the Lord. And he shared the principles of a life of thanksgiving in Psalm 100. And today we continue to focus on where we are going as a church. What are the principles that guide us as the body of Christ that will lead us to where God wants us all to be? And the principle we're talking about today is unity. And as a growing church, that thank God we are, we can learn from another growing church. So we're going to open the Word of God in the book of Acts. I don't know if you have a physical Bible like Dina has. Is that the new Bible we got you? No, it's too big. The one that we got him last week is way too big. But he has a physical Bible. Some of you have the Bible app. Feel free to follow to put your notes. And we're going to open in Acts chapter 6. And we're going to learn the principles that were happening in the early church. A growing church just as we are so that we can understand where God wants to take us. And in, early, in the early days, the church was growing not by the dozens, not by the hundreds, but it was growing by the thousands. And the Bible says in Acts 6, verse 1, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, in those days when the number of the disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now we look here and we're excited about the early church. We, I think many of us have already read the book of Acts. If, you have, if you're not familiar, it just talks about the beginning of the church. And it's so exciting and everything is happening and, and God is saving so many people with the gospel. And the church was growing, but as we read here in very early on in chapter 6, there were complaints. <laughs> Not everything is perfect in a growing church. Not everything is perfect, especially in a growing church. There was a cultural problem. We don't know if this was a real problem or a perceived problem. But it caused dissension in the community. You had the Greek-speaking Jews complaining about the Hebrew-speaking Jews not giving the same treatment to their widows. And continuing in verse 2, it says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And what is beautiful to see here is that the church addressed the problem and it fixed it. And this is important to us, even though a growing church faces challenges and problems, it needs to continue to grow. No one said, this is a growth problem, so we need to stop growing. This is a growth problem, so we need to take a step back and reevaluate and maybe not grow as much as we are right now. No one said that. 
Because when we are a growing church, God is adding the people who are going to be part of the solution. And that's what is happening here. Continuing in verse 5, it says, This proposal pleased the whole group. They choose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. As you can see, this proposal pleased the whole group. God is not about division. Even when we are experiencing problems, God wants unity in the church. Beautiful to see that the Spirit was leading the community, that this proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose among the people in the community. They didn't have to outsource. They didn't have to put a Google ad or something to see if there was a solution to their problem. People had to step up. And notice this that I never noticed before in my life. Most of these names are Greek names. It's very possible that the people who complained about this problem, they were the ones that started serving. People that start noticing problems in the growing church are the ones that need to step up and begin to serve. They did something about it. We can bounce from church to church because we see problems. If we do that, it's immature of us. Because no church community is perfect. Every church community has problems because we ourselves are imperfect so if our attitude is just noticing the problems and give up on the church and give up on the community that's not what the word of God teaches us to do mature Christians say we have a problem let's figure it out what can I do how can I help how can I step up how can I contribute towards the solution And right back in Acts 5, we don't have time to explore all these chapters. They are wonderful. But I invite you to read the first six chapters at least of Acts this week. And in Acts 5, the church experienced a very important lesson about integrity. Do you know the name of this couple that is mentioned in Acts 5? I only heard Mary. Thank God for Mary. Ananias and Sapphira. They had a terrible experience with people that lacked integrity in the church, people that lacked character in the church, people that were doing things in their own understanding, in their own, with their own agenda, but neglecting what the Spirit of God wanted, how this Holy Spirit wanted to use them. So now, pretty much in chapter 6, we see that they're specifically looking for people with character. And the word even says that Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. That's the people that God is looking for. They prayed and they blessed them to do ministry. And the word says in verse 7, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Can you say rapidly? Rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The solution allowed the Word of God to continue to be taught and also the needs of the most vulnerable to be met. 
and the church continued to grow rapidly. And it's such beautiful detail that even many priests started coming to church. Many priests that were following the Jewish religion, many priests that uh, were following God according to the Old Testament, all of a sudden they were embracing Jesus, the Son of God, and they received the salvation through Him. Now this is a beautiful chapter, and I want to unfold it with you, some of the lessons that we need to apply to us individually, but also to us collectively so that we can live in unity, so that we can be everything that God wants us to be today and that God will take us to where he wants to take us. And the first lesson here is that there are challenges to growth. Let me reinforce this. No church is perfect. If you find one, I can give you my email, my WhatsApp number. Please ping me. Send me a text, a page. I don't know. But tell me if you find the perfect church. Every church is made of imperfect people serving a perfect God. And if you haven't noticed, people come to church with all sorts of cultures they come from all sorts of denominations. They have their own, uh, own ideas about God, their own ideas and priorities about life. But people also come to church and they bring spiritual problems. People bring their worldly mindsets. There's so, there so much that we have to deal with when God put us together in the body of Christ. But we are supposed to figure out together how to keep the unity in the church. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. And the last one that is detestable to Him is a person who stirs up conflict in the community. It's very important for us to understand where God wants to lead us together is to remind us that church is family. Church is God's family. And we need to learn how to be together. I don't know what kind of family you grew up in. And maybe it was a bit messed up. I know that my parents weren't perfect, and I know that your parents weren't perfect. Maybe your parents weren't even in the picture. But you had to figure out a way how to live with the people that were next to you. That's what God's family is about. It's not for you to find the people you connect, the people you can get along with. It's to be able to be together no matter what. We need to make, as the Word of God says, to make every effort to live in unity. Not be a part of the problem, but be a part of the solution. We can only be truly part of the church when we love the church. And how can we keep this unity? Because of love. The Bible says that God first loved us. That's why we love him back, and that's why we need to love each other. If we're not secure in the love of God for us, we will never be secure enough to love someone that is different than us. 
And everything that binds us together, everything that allows us to continue to coexist, even though we are so different, is the love of God. The second lesson here is that we need to prioritize God and prioritize people. In Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and have everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A growing number of people is not the most important sign of a healthy church. Do you agree with this? Can I hear an amen? Amen. It's an important sign, but it's not the most important sign of a healthy church. It's valuable that a church is growing for the expansion of God's kingdom. It means that God is at work. But a healthy church is definitely a church that prioritizes God and prioritizes people. And here in Acts 2, we see in this church, this community that we're speaking about in Acts 6, we see the Lord working in the church and through the church. And it was all about God, and it was all about people. There there was war, there was communion, there was prayer, but there was also fellowship. There was also helping the most vulnerable. And in Acts 6, we read that they distributed food daily to assist widows. But surely they were also taking care of orphans. They were taking care of foreigners as the Lord commanded in His Word. So they were showing very important signs of a healthy and a growing church. But in all we do, in every activity that we do together, everything that we do together, it needs to keep prioritizing God and prioritizing people. The minute that any church loses its focus on God and people, it loses everything. God is not interested in programs or agendas or necessarily your gifts and the talents and the slides and the keys and the building itself, the AC units, We just purchased another one over here, so hopefully this side is going to be cool as this side is. If you are a bit, if you feel a bit hot, feel free to hop to the other side. Everyone is okay? These are great things because, of course, this is home. We want you to be comfortable. We want you to be in a distract-free environment to listen to everything that the Lord wants to do in your life. But this is not the most important thing. What is happening here right now in this place is all about God. And it's all about people. It's all about Him and bringing Him the glory and the praise, but it's also about you. Because you are loved by God. You're valued by God. You are empowered by God. God has plans and purposes for your life. So everything we do needs to continue to be about God and about people. And thirdly, leadership in the church is marked by service. There is no body or group in this world without leadership. Amen? 
I've heard people say, I don't like organized religion. Have you heard people, I like God and I like spirituality, but I don't like organized religion. I don't like going to church and I don't like priests and I don't like the Pope and I don't like this and I don't like that. And they don't like organized religion. So does that mean that people like disorganized religion? Are there things in life that we simply like more disorganized, like disorganized schools, disorganized hospitals, Disorganized families, disorganized government, is that what we're looking for in life? No. Because organized is what allow, allows us to be together. Organizations, it, it's what allows us to work together. And embracing leadership in the church means sharing the responsibility of the church. In Acts chapter 6 verse 3, the apostle said, brothers and sisters, Two seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them. So the 12 disciples, they said, let them do it. Let them take charge. We are not going to try to do everything. They organized the church in order to do greater ministry together. These men were the first deacons of the church. Another way of saying ministry leaders. Because a few people can't simply do everything. And I love that in the anniversary we had so many people. We welcomed everyone who was part of a team at Riverside Lisbon. Everyone to come to the front. And it was beautiful to see a lot of people serving, dedicated to the Lord. Serving even in multiple ministries. But I have to say... It hurts a little bit of my heart still to see so many people seated down. Because when we started Riverside Lisbon five years ago, Gabby and I, we did pretty much everything. <laughs> it was the beginning. And we're not going to lie. It took a lot from us. A few months in, we were so tired. And we had to intentionally start praying, God, <laughs> we need help. We cannot continue to do everything alone. And by God's grace, as the church starting to grow, people started to step in and serve with their gifts, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that made the biggest difference in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, we read it very recently. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Every person in the church has a call in life. Can I hear an amen? amen. Every person in the body of Christ has a call in life. Church staff. Those who are pastors, those who are teachers, those who are leading ministries, our aim is to equip others for service. It's not that we do everything alone. Our responsibility is to continuously equip others because together the body of Christ will be built up. Together we can make a bigger difference in people's lives. Together we reach bigger impact. If there's any structure, organization, anything in your life that you can dedicate your time, your energy, your resources into, that you know it's going to be meaningful and it's going to have eternal value, is the church. 
is the body of Christ. God has given you your job. God has given you many talents. God has given you, hopefully, a wonderful family. You have your love for sports and you have a love, I don't know, how do you say when you, your hobby is to put little ships inside glass bottles? I don't know. There you go. <laughs> this art or something that God has put. It's the way you were wired. You're not to blame about it. But, but we're also different. And we have so many things that pull our attention. So many passions. And God wants you to live an abundant life. A full life. And God has brought and given you so many that you can enjoy in life. But nothing is as important as the body of Christ. Nothing is as important as God's family. Nothing is as important as the expansion of God's family. Because this is what's going to produce results for eternity. You're not going to bring your miniature ships to heaven. You're not going to bring Netflix or Amazon to the heavenly realms. You're not going to bring your Vans shoes, your cool jeans, all those different things that we tend to invest, everything is going to stay here. It doesn't affect people. It doesn't impact people. It doesn't bless necessarily anyone other than you. But everything you do for God in His church, in this family, has an impact for eternity. And it's time that we think, am I being useful? Am I allowing God to use me in this body? Am I allowing God to give me the strength and the gifts and the ability to serve in the church? Another lesson is, God is not about division. In his church. Jesus prayed in John 17 verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one father. Just as you are in me. And I am in you. There is a call to unity. In God's church. Psalm 133 Many of you know how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. If you've been part of a church for a long time, you hopefully have noticed the beauty, how wonderful it is. The atmosphere, the love, the words, the service, how wonderful it is. When we see God's people loving each other, living together in unity. We live in such a world full of division, full of racism, full of problems in politics, in gender, and socioeconomic problems. And the church is about unity. The church is about coming together to serve God with one heart, with one call, with one purpose. 
And as we read in verse 5 of chapter 6 in Acts, this proposal pleased to the whole group because there is more than unites us than divides us. The love of Christ unites us all. Salvation unites us all because we were all lost without Jesus. And we all found love and hope in Jesus Christ. Our own imperfectness unites us because there is no one perfect in this room. So we make every effort to remain united because we are called to love. Above all else, we are called to love. So don't step in and go into a ministry and, okay, the pastor, okay, he's pushing our buttons again. Okay, I'm going to do something. I'm... Don't come with that attitude because if it's not with love, I'd rather you not serve at all. Can I hear an amen? amen? If it's not out of love, God would rather you not serving at all. You're not doing this community any favor. If you come just to make coffees and to clean chairs and to play an instrument, if it's not in love, it's empty. It's nothing. John 13, 35, Jesus said, Everyone will know you are my disciples if you come to church 8.30 a.m. <laughs> and you start cleaning the chairs and you cut the bread and if you make pancakes and you cut the fruit, if you restock the bathrooms. Everyone you will know, you'll know you'll be my disciples if you wear Riverside Lisbon's t-shirt. Because it says Riverside Lisbon, very small, over there. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you pray very loudly. If you're the person, first person to raise your hands during a worship song. If you're the person that backs the pastor or the preacher very well, yes, amen, hallelujah. Preach it. We people don't say that here. Riverside, we're calm. It's okay. Everyone will know you are my disciples. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? Everyone will know you are a disciple if you love one another. Everyone will know if you love one another. We can aim to have great music. We can aim to have great teaching. We can aim to have great breakfast. But more than anything, we want the people to feel loved. We want people to feel loved by God. We might have different opinions. We continue to be very different people, but that's okay. Let's do life together. Let's love each other. Let's respect each other. Let's respect those who embrace leadership in the church. Because as you probably already noticed, embracing leadership in church is not an easy thing to do. So let's respect those who embrace leadership and God's love makes us all stronger. Finally, 
When we live out our faith, God impacts the world. As we read in verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So when more and more people serve, the church grows. When more and more people step in to do what God called them to do, the church grows. Why? Because God moves in a powerful way. God moves in a wonderful way. We're not the ones that are adding to the church. The Lord is. But the Lord moves powerfully through us, through people. It's not something that happens in the air. It's not something that, that happens that people all of a sudden are drawn to come to church. No, it's something that happens through us when we serve God. And as we read here, God works through everyone in the church. Not just apostles or pastors or ministry leaders. Everyone in the church is valuable. Everyone in the church, God has a plan, a purpose. And God shines through us when we decide to live for him. And in the next verses, that's why I really encourage you to read the first chapters of Acts. In the next verses, we have this believer named Stephen. This guy that was so full of God, so obedient to his calling that he impacted the whole city. Everyone knew who Stephen was because he was so filled with wisdom. He was so filled with the Spirit of God. So much that everything that he did impacted the Sinedrin, the Jewish court. They were so impacted by his ministry that they even raised false witnesses to testify against him. But the word of God says in Acts 6 verse 10, they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You see, Stephen, he was probably a great guy. He was probably someone that everyone clicked in the church. He probably had a great personality. Let's just imagine this. Stephen was just the guy next door. But he had such a life with the Lord. He had so much love for the Lord, but also such a love for people. That he wanted to be used by God. He wanted God to be free to do whatever he wanted to do with him. And he was not afraid of stepping up. He was not afraid of stepping in. God, if this is what you want me to do, hey, I want to pray. I want to do whatever comes. If it is to distribute food to widows, God, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be faithful. I'm seeking you. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. But if you say that I'm useful distributing bread, God, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be faithful. You see, because it's not about the ministry. It's not about the position. It's not about the place where God puts you. If you're part of the Connect team and if you think that your job is only to cut pieces of bread, you have no idea of what the body of Christ is. 
You have no idea what God can do with someone that is slicing pieces of bread, but it is filled with the Spirit of God. You have no idea what someone that is simply greeting people at the door, apparently, but is filled with the Spirit of the Lord. God uses people that are empty of themselves so that they can be filled with the Spirit of God. My friends, we do not come here to do and simply fulfill a checklist. I've done this, I've done this task. We are here to be useful to the Lord. And everything starts when you're filled with the Spirit of God. This man was a deacon. And some people say, he's a deacon. He's in charge of secular things. He's in charge of cleaning. He's in charge of, of cutting bread. He's in charge of, of this. It's nothing spiritual. It's nothing important. No. Whatever you do in church, whatever we are looking for together in the church is people that are filled with the Spirit of God. That is our responsibility as members of this body. And as he fulfilled his ministry, distributing bread, he impacted the whole world. The most important people in Jerusalem knew who Stephen was. Because no one could stand up against the wisdom. The Spirit gave him as he spoke. And all who were seating in the Sanhedrin, because... He was took there. And if you know the story, it didn't end apparently very well for Stephen. Because he died that day. He was the first church martyr. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are willing to go wherever God tells you to go. You're willing to do whatever God wants you to do. And Stephen preached the gospel. To the most important people in that city. And he was killed. He's famous because he's the first church martyr. But that's not how God wants Stephen to be known for. That's not why God allowed Stephen to be dead in that day. God wants us to remember Stephen as a man that was full of the Spirit of God. Even though he was merely distributing bread to widows, apparently, he was doing it in the power and in the wisdom of the Lord. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw, notice this, they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. They saw the face of an angel. Remember this. You were like God's angels to the people that you're serving. When you serve God, when you fulfill your calling, when you fulfill your ministry, not the positions and the tasks of ministries, but when you're full with the Spirit of God and you're doing what God wants you to do, people will look at you and they will see the face of an angel. When you fulfill your calling and you serve others, people will see Christ in you. It will be blatant. 
They will look at you and they will see hope. You know why? Because when someone has a need and they see someone stepping in and being the blessing that they need and fulfilling that need, they see the glory of God in your life. The way that we greet people, the way that we love each other, the way that we serve breakfast, the way that we play, the way that we do multimedia and sound, the way that we do things, it blesses people. People see the glory of God in your life. Not because of how great we are, but because God entrusted us with abilities, with gifts and talents. And when we give from that, it glorifies God. We become part of this, this greater history. I want to invite the worship team to come. And when we focus on Christ, when we focus in loving one another, God is glorified in his church. It grows. When we see needs around us, and when we meet them, lives are changed. We can understand the importance of lives being changed because hopefully your life was changed when Jesus came in. The Bible says that we were all lost without hope in this world. But when we heard the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to give his life to save, mankind from their sins and give us hope for eternal life when we embrace this fact the bible says that we are born again our lives change forever everything that was a priority before no longer is we have one priority god and people so if you were impacted by the love of god if you understand that you were saved by the love of God for you, if you understand that there is nothing more valuable than serving and obeying God with your life, let's work together. Let's live in unity. Let's make a lasting impact for Jesus Christ in the lives of those that are around us. Maybe even starting your family. Maybe you're the only Christian. Maybe you're the only one that is following Jesus there. Start there. In this church, in this community. In your nine to five job. Whatever you do, be the church. Be God's family. Seek for the power of God and the fullness of the Spirit.